0: sin preparación a conquistar Right, good evening. Here we are, seventh episode of the quarantine hotline. Can't believe seven, wait, seven weeks. I've been doing this, but I don't remember anymore how long we've been in lockdown. I'm not gonna try to remember anymore. I think it's in time is irrelevant now. Uh, anyway, tonight we got a, a really, really interesting poet, uh, Mona Karim, who is. Uh, from Kuwait. She lives in New York. She's uh, She writes poetry in Arab. Uh, we're gonna ask her if she writes in English. I mean, um, I know she's the author of a few book collect- uh, sorry, sorry, poetry collections uh, in Arabic. And we're gonna we're gonna talk to her about that. It's quite interesting that I've been talking to a lot of poets, and I'm not necessarily a person who, who reads a lot of poetry. So I mean, uh, I don't know why this turned out the way it is, but I'm very interested in and I've been getting more into this, so I'm not a poetry connoisseur, I just want to talk to Mona, He's someone I admire, we've been talking on Twitter for a long time and I've been trying to do something uh, with minor literature for a long time, so let's, uh, she's on Zoom now, I'm going to ask her to join me if she's around. Hello Mona, are you there? Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? You're in New York now? What is that? I said it's a nice sunny day over here. All right, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Of course, here we are. It's yeah. getting dark. We are in, in sunny London as well. And uh, how how are things over there? I mean, it's been quite rough in the past few months, yeah. Yeah, it's it's um it's
1: really crazy. I feel like um, you know the quarantine has um, magnified um, time and feelings and events for us, and then you know as as you as you know right now you know the protests have hit two weeks maybe yeah um so yeah it's, it's really a different experience um yeah so much is happening i feel overwhelmed i feel like every day is an eternity
0: have you been part of the protest you've been involved in some way
1: oh. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. you know the first few days i i, I was attending the question of like whether the virus is as politicized as us and uh, and whether he will spare us you know wow. um, <laughs> but also you know I, I will admit that living in the United States these many years um, it's really hard to be hopeful about things you know yeah. so yeah so I, I try to like retreat away from political events you know try to like before I go back again, um, because I know, like this, if there is a fight, it's, you know, it's, it's not gonna end anytime soon, right? Like everything has a such a long uh, span, I guess.
0: How long you've been in the USA now?
1: Um, about ten years, actually. Um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, by the end of this year, I will. I will complete a
0: decade in this country okay solidarity yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i've been 20 years here in the uk i mean it's uh oh yeah, yeah it's, it's, well almost <laughs> okay. 20 years a long time yeah. but, and, uh, yeah. but i do. but i mean uh, there is this feeling i don't know i mean um that things are worse in the usa you know in terms of race so i talk to a lot of uh, black friends here and they all say you know we gotta go we, we get it we get it bad as well here but uh-huh. the, the impression that i get from seeing this from afar because i've never been to the usa uh, so i don't i don't know the country but the feeling you get is that it's such a it, things are made worse because of the guns you know and the violence of the police which is all armed, you know, not just a few units like, here. So, uh, but yeah. there is a tension that is always been there, you know, hasn't it? it has never gone away. So I get you have right not to be hopeful <laughs> in a way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm. I I would say I'm more hopeful now after the pandemic because I feel like anyone who has a score to settle with this, with this like redeem with the system, you know, is on the streets, you know, which is which is why everyone has been like, okay, the, the crowd is more diverse. What does that mean? It really just means that, you know, everyone is frustrated with what's going on. Right. So like it's, you can feel the heat, um, and I don't want to, like, you know, compare Europe or the UK to the US, but definitely the US has, like, a, a particular history of anti-blackness, right? And and it's like a very, like, militarized, like, hyper-police country, hyper-surveyed country, you know? So, when we talk about fighting the police, we're really talking about fighting so many things at once, right? Like the prison industry, the military yeah. industry, all of that at, at once, you know? So and, and i think also we're not aware of the scope of, of what what we're fighting against you know it's really overwhelming
0: yeah it feels i mean coming from you know latin america the feeling i get sometimes is that what, what, the case of the usa is a case of state terrorism against its own citizens in many ways you know like uh, especially against the minority population you know the way the the, the, the prison system works and the police brutality and the way the police are armed you know it's like a, yeah. it's like a military it's not really a guy with a with a with a tranche on you know coming at you yeah they got tanks you know it's insane i think that that yeah that, that, <laughs> yeah. That's um, yeah I, think,
1: I think one of the yeah actually in this town in upstate like the sheriff has this tank um that actually was in afghanistan actually was in in Lebanon, I think, and like they they brought the tank back and gave it to him as a souvenir. <laughs> yeah. you know, so like, um, yeah, it, it is it is that society, and I, I keep saying like you know we're like Americans don't realize that they are themselves colonized, you know, um, yeah. they're colonized objects by their own state.
0: I was going to ask you this, you know, because you you know you come from the from the from Kuwait from the Middle East, so you know the history of European and American. Uh, imperialism in the Middle East is, it goes a long way but but in in um i seen comments online about people saying uh you know like really outraged saying this is not Baghdad this is a USA you know or this is not uh, Aleppo this is a the USA they shouldn't be killing citizens like this and that made me very angry you know i can imagine you get probably actually very much more angry than me you know but yeah. I wonder how this struggle, you know, can be inscribed in anti colonialism, you know, because I think you cannot you cannot separate these two things, you know, and, 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 and how they don't fall into the narrative of uh, we are Americans too, you know, don't do this to us, you know, this is something that, that for me is important to to, to keep like very clear, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. No um... I think this is also why I try to like withdraw sometimes because I do realize there is this huge gap between one like my perspective of of what's going on or like as again like the scope of 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 how the system operates because a lot of there's so much naivety, you know, on on the part of protesters and you know, we gotta admit that you know, since the Vietnam War, like, the United States has succeeded at um, assimilating minority groups, especially, you know, black people, but also, you know, people of Latin American background into the military, into the police state. Yeah. Um, And, you know, this really, like, killed any prospect of these groups being internationalists, like, the way they were in the 60s and 70s, and having that consciousness and that connection. Even though we're seeing, like, global responses to black lives matter and you know how this movement has become like some sort of like um a language for all people in diaspora at least you know there's still work to be done towards that internationalism you know and um yeah and and you would see even like say like black liberals uh, in in media talking about trying to use the history of black people in the military as um proof of being you know equal citizens or um things as such right so th- there's so many contradictions and and it's it's also i don't know where we can begin with this but um um if anything it's i feel like this time is, it, the conversation could be different you know the conversation um you know it's is going beyond americanism really you know and because okay. like we cannot disconnect this from what ice has been doing as well right like yeah uh, yeah, so everyone's seeing how this violence keeps reshaping itself it's and targets a new group every time.
0: Okay, that, that's very important for me because I think, you know, at some point, I don't know exactly when this happened, but, but I got many Latin American friends in the USA uh, who have served in the army and they have a certain pride. And it's always a matter of kind of a, a discussion with me because I feel... As a Latin American, I'm quite apprehensive of the idea of Amer- American militarism. You know, it's uh, we, we go back a long way of, yeah. of, of, a not, of a not very nice history. And I always find them they seem not to perceive this contradiction. You know, uh, and I wonder how the this idea of nation is built into the people who are actually quite quite smart people. i not they're not dumb. You know, these are very clever people, very politica, but but sometimes this idea of uh, uh, the flag comes out, you know, which is, is such a work of ideology that is so difficult to untangle and disarm, you know, and in a way it's the yeah. same here, but but I think the British have not been very good at, at keeping their empires, you know, uh, too well in the last 50, 60 years, so it's easier, <laughs> it's easier to deconstruct, you know, in a way. So, well, yeah. so do you see that people articulating these uh, other demands now in the new protest movement or is... younger people do you see that happening there yeah
1: yeah no definitely you know i think and maybe maybe even just like if you notice like the rise of the left in the united states like the past two three years because like before trump like you know the left were just like uh, a marginal you know uh like, I don't know what to call them, like really irrelevant group, yeah. <laughs> you know um, just like, you know, elitists, intellectuals inside institutions saying things but since, you know, like under Trump and with the rise of Bernie Sanders, you know, and like this idea of like grassroots movements and even this new thing that Americans made up of like social um, uh, democratic socialism, which is like really a hyper thing that sometimes I laugh at it because you know, when you look at their program, you feel like, oh, you know, like, what is really progressive about this? I mean, yes, this is, like, important social welfare rights, but, you know, in, in the U.S., they're seen as, like, radical, right? Because yeah. in their nature, they're just um, maybe government-centered and, um, yeah. So I, I just I just think all these things, even though they're ambiguous and not fully formed, um do make me feel optimistic, you know. In the past uh, few years, like having the left become dominant, at least in discourse and media and language, that does bring um, um, more accountability. Even even the fact like that foreign policy was never um, of interest to the you know like to to the public, you know. So now foreign policy is becoming more of like um, you know. I don't want to be like hundred percent optimistic, but I would say like. It is part of everyday debate. And in the book, I I noticed it too, you know, like people want to talk about war at the same time, you talk about the police state. Um, And I think, you know, like, if we go back to that point of like, you know, minorities being in the army... The failure of the military, you know, in the U.S., uh, in the sense, like, of giving a good life to these people has always exposed itself. Like, it's not like people are delusional or something. Okay. But, yeah. But they do have this hope of, like, social mobility through the army, and, uh, and the state preys on the on the poorest of people to join the army. So, like, um, I don't know. I, I don't believe, like, this, like, addressing the military state in, in this country can happen without a global response to you know like people yeah like that would definitely push people and who knows me maybe this happened like the fact that people are responding to black lives matter everywhere like tells me that there is a prospect for um yeah like transnational conversations,
0: efforts to happen in the future. That's amazing. I mean, it's a, one of these contradictions is that it's probably the figure of Trump that is galvanizing the resistance in a way, you know, And it's quite a, a, because, you know, when you get like such a kind of ridiculous and, and dictatorial and problematic figure, people tend to, 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 to react better. You know, there is a, this anecdote in the, about anarchist circus in Spain. After Franco, you know, when the revolution, uh, sorry, when democracy uh, came back in the 80s, there were the anarchists jokingly used to say, oh, against Franco, it was better, you know, instead of saying with Franco was better, against Franco was better. But it was much easier to resist that kind of really kind of uh, parody of a dictator than, than against a democratic government. And in a way, I guess uh, Trump is having that effect, you know, because it's, uh, it's, it's a thing you need to resist, you know. I think we can all agree if you are on the left that you need to resist someone like Trump. So that, that, that might be what's happening. And um, do you, as a poet, do you uh, mobilize politics in your writing? Is it something you do or you're interested in other things? Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Like, I want to tell you that, you know, as you mentioned, like, I've been writing more in English. I think, you know, um, it really ha- happened in a spontaneous way my decision to start writing in english okay um um i think yeah um i don't know if we want to get into that conversation but yeah, i want I to you that um uh, when i was writing in arabic there were so many um conceptions of what makes literary writing um that really kind of like controlled me in a sense for example like that because the Arab, because Arabic poetry and I think maybe you relate to this as a Latin American um you know like poetry has always been like the, the medium for revolutionaries but also for for um, let's say pro regimes pro dictators you yeah. know like so it's a, yeah it's a battlefield really so for a long time Arab poets have been trying to like, rid the poem of all that, right, like to, 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 like, like, let's say, abduct the poem to become more individual, individualized, to become not sentimental, to become uh, about the daily life, about details, all of that, you know, so this movement maybe, like, was at peak in the 90s, you know, and continues to have that, and I think it did achieve something good for us, you know, because um, um you know like to to bring poetry back to art back to literature um and and this is where the kind of poetry i grew up around right um but this comes to become like I, I discovered that it became becomes a limitation um in the kind of subject i can uh engage with in, in my poetry like why can't i talk about politics why can't i talk about say um uh, even like women's concerns right like that was something that many critics always criticize if you're preoccupied by your womanhood and 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 all all the questions related to that is that really serious writing because somehow the personal is seen as a contradiction to to what could be a public text right so um yeah and somehow now english is functioning um as a way for me to just, like, surprise myself, right, of, like, what topics I can uh, tackle or talk about. So I've been writing poems these past two weeks about, like, the little things in these protests. Like, maybe you saw how um, there was this girl who, like, uh, was walking out of Cheesecake Factory with a whole cake, yes. and she's like, you know? <laughs> you know, so, like, I was just trying to catch all these nice, like... Um, like these intense moments where like the individual feels like a superman you know like feels like um you know taking away like breaking the the hand of a statue or uh uh, you know sitting over a statue you know these these moments that just um are a history in themselves right so yeah i am i like to engage in my own way um and you know like just magnify these moments uh guess like celebrate them and indulge with them you know like and even even this idea of like watching the revolution that is happening 10 minutes away from you but you're sitting at home writing a poem about it right like just thinking about that too
0: do you think that you you can express uh, in a more freer way in english because i get that you know when i write in spanish i am not necessarily by tradition like you're telling me by what you about the previous work too, but I am held back by my own kind of proficiency in the language, you know, and, and I waste my time with a lot of Baroque bullshit, you know, uh, whereas when I write in English, I, I, I got a more direct connection with what I want to say, you know, and, it, and because I'm limited, so it comes more straight, and for that reason, I feel freer. I'm not attached to, to the ornaments and to the Baroque kind of uh, uh, folds, you know, I can just say what I want, you know, and this, uh, yep. I'm addicted now to writing in English, I'm going to write in Spanish anymore. Do you feel something similar <laughs> to, with your writing? Or you flip to AD?
1: I'm scared of getting addicted, you know, I uh, so far I've been, uh, I keep saying like, no, I write in books even though I haven't, I haven't had the chance to write some Arabic stuff, and also in a while, um, and, um and I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I love actually like, you know, your work and the work you do with minor literature because, you know, like this is people really underestimate how common we have become, right? Yes. Like this Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they're really not paying attention of like not only just like English becoming global, but also like this, you know, we live in a world where displacement has become the new norm yeah. and you would think with the internet and all that, you know, you would think as an exiled writer or an immigrant writer, you would have more room to move and write in your own language. The truth is, that's not, the, not that's not the reality, and that the publishing industries are actually more monolingual, more closed off, more elitist than than anyone could think. Um, and you know, like so. Um, yeah this is this is the status quo but i want to say i do love this challenge of english because i feel like um like i have to make much more effort right like i have to work on my sentence over and over and over and like with every attempt i create more confidence you know and i i explore different meanings right like this is something that i might not have in my native language because you know as a native speaker, you feel entitled, right? You feel yeah. like, oh, no, I know. It's like, I just, like, you know, the, you know, it's not a question for me how to write the sentence, you know, or, um, yeah. So, like, I guess, like, the language process is in itself a thinking process, and um, I'm grateful for that, to discover that, you know, like, that how much um, the language processing allows me to do more thinking, more um, be strategic with with my choices and decisions and negotiations you know i'm loving all of this i it creates a a special confidence in your in your craft um um and and definitely there were certain topics as i mentioned even like personal stuff that i felt naturally got unlocked you know in Mm -hmm. this because to me not only is english not mine but also like i cannot even imagine who like I cannot start to imagine who reads my my stuff, you know. Like it is so. To me, the reader is, is is no one really. So there's so much freedom in that too.
0: Excellent. And do you would you like to read something of of the latest things you wrote? Do you have any anything like if you want? Otherwise, no problem. Um. Yeah. Sure. Uh, a, yeah, in Arabic or in a English. why not, let's go, why not yeah, yeah. topical
1: <laughs> okay um, one second yeah um, this poem is called uh, This Geography white petals landing on my skin faster than sun rays in them they carry my patience blow away drafts of poetry already typed up replace them for no specific desire on the verge of my eyelid my summer friend lays his thighs open in the lap of an armchair breathing to the echo of chinese doorbells announcing what's already known this geography of the now might live forever in a poem in the metadata of a picture or as a memory i recall two years from now choking on blues laying in a stranger's bed the tree that keeps shedding her children on me has the qualities of a god a small figure and a big hair trespassing over a fence to be of two homes only a god can make a fence look this pretty the grass half-shaven, sings the praises like a Sufi lover, like this bee hovering over my head. She keeps tes- tasting my skin and changing her mind.
0: Amazing. Beautiful. This geography, yeah? That th- This is uh, the, the latest things you're writing now, yeah? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, this was uh, inspired by a nice uh, sunny day in the in the quarantine,
0: even though I don't feel quarantined anymore, you know, Uh, but yeah. I think the quarantine is gone, you know, with all this, uh, at least here in the UK, it's clear that no one gives a shit anymore, it was born to happen, at least it's happening for a good reason, you know, people out there protesting, excellent, and are you you planning to work towards a book, do you want to create like a new collection, Uh, are you, or is something that doesn't interest you?
1: writing a book, you know, now I'm more like editing it, you know, rewriting some of the poems, Um, there are some poems I feel like maybe need more expanding, you know, so yeah, it's definitely a project of a book, Um, and yeah, and and, uh, you know, I'm someone who likes to read several books at the same time, work on several books at the same time,
0: so, yeah,
1: so I've project
0: is the best way not to finish things you know but <laughs> yes but then but then when you get like one of the periods, like two i don't know when it was i think from 2018 to now i finished like four or five books you know it was like oh you're so prolific yeah but then i don't write anything for <laughs> the next 15 you know but yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay excellent well, now, uh, uh we we are normally we we speak for half an hour so it was like um a pleasure to talk to you. I want to see some of those poems on minor literatures, you know, not uh, yes. not um, not just this interview. So if you want, you can send us some poems and we can feature them as a kind of exclusive of your work in English. Okay, I'd right? be happy to. Yeah, send it over. And um, anyway, any links, anything you want to put, uh, send me send me a message because I will put this call on online tomorrow morning so more people can. Um, get it on the magazine and, and listen to the audio like a podcast okay? Sounds good Cool It was a pleasure talking to you I will let you go and mm-hmm. I will play some music and, and go have dinner because it's in the yes, evening so good. <laughs> good night Take care Mona nice to speak to you Yeah. Bye bye Good night Ciao Bye Ciao Okay That was Mona Harim from New York um, It's very interesting to talk to people so far away. We never met in person, but we, you know, you talk on Twitter with people, you are, you are seeing the work, you get to know them. I mean, there is anything that has been amazing about doing this magazine for the last seven years now. It's been, uh, to, to, to be able to know people you, you, uh, would never, never uh, have heard before. And, and we are, It's really an international community, like like Mona said, you know, it's not the norm that people are from all different places and they come together in a place because, you know, publishing, even with the work um, of so many great indie publishers, still very, very, very close uh, game. It's hard to get in. Many gatekeepers and uh, and the only way you can really get in the game, I think, is making your own clubs. So here's my literature. So I will... Close tonight with a song I forgot uh, to introduce at the beginning. This is Rodrigo Javega from Rosario Argentina playing a quite Brazilian-esque tune called Azul, Bossa Nova. Um, I've been using in this uh, quarantine course music from uh, this label from my hometown. The label is called Planeta X. All the, the releases are uh, created Commons. common, so... Uh, but this is something that I probably need to talk to one of them in one of the shows because it's an amazing group of people I know. We go back and from the, uh, since the 1990s, they've always been doing very interesting things in music, writing, uh, performance and also amazing parties. So we, thanks uh, to them for all the music I've been using for free. Uh, next week we got uh, Wendy Erskine. We're going to be talking to her about specific, I mean, we talked so much with Wendy that we said, why don't we make a special kind of show? We're going to talk about the things we haven't been able to write until now and how they're like a kind of Medal of Failure uh, following us around. So that's it for tonight. I will leave you with Rodrigo Javega, Azul, and see you next week with uh, Wendy Erskine. Take care. Stay well. And like I like to say, fuck the Tories if you can. Not literally, but you know. azul ritmo, espacio, tentación salto sin preparación a conquistar lo que no sé i a través Indecible manantial De ser Amar o parecer Descubriendo hacia él Good night. See you next week.